Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, we're back, Paul. What is going on, man? Not much, not much. Uh, well, a lot's going on, I suppose. Still um, catch people up on the the construction loan saga. So I want to give every one of the listeners kind of a a um, what not to do. If you want to get a construction loan and build something someday, you have to put cash where you can get at it. So what we've run into, Dave, is initially we thought our qualified plan money could count as a reserve. And then they said, well, it's not really liquid because they have these rules in place. Can you send send us the rules? In my case, it's for the TSP. So I send them the rules. They're like, yeah, you can't really do any of these things. And so that can't count as a reserve. So the you know, p- my, money you've piled in there is worthless. And we have some friends that have run into this as well because they're doing kind of the same thing. Interesting. So if I could pass along the lesson... Put your money where you can get at it, especially you young people. Uh, and I'm not talking necessarily about the match or if you're an employer match or the airline puts, you know, if there's an employer, like an airline that puts all the money in a 401k for you, fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but realize you're not going to be able to use that as That's cash right. reserves when you go nope. apply for a loan. Nope. Yeah. Now, the truth is there are ways to get at the TSP money. Um, you just have to prove certain things for, or, or if you don't have to really prove it, um, but you have to say, oh, I have negative cash flow or, you know, other other ways. So, yeah. but lesson learned, man. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. But if I go back 20 years, I wish all that money was life insurance cash value because yeah. I wouldn't have had to do that public service announcement just now. So, Well, all, all net worth is not created equal. That's right. Right? Cash Some, is king. Cash is king. And cash that you can access is is king of all. Right? It, it, it sure is. Um, Without yeah. penalty. So yeah. we're going to be okay. We're going to do some things. And uh, so we'll be all right. But Well, you know some people who can give you a, a loan to, to fill the bank. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. So, <laughs> But anyway, it's just, it's so frustrating, right? It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. The saga continues. So this is good, man. We're all learning from, from the pain you're going through. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good to see you last week. So I was in Virginia right. for a full week doing some... Um, the national convention center should be called the national confinement center. It's like a concrete labyrinth feels like a white collar prison. That's the only thing I can compare it to. I've never been to white collar prison, but this is probably what it's like. Like yeah. a tiny little dorm room. It's just garbage. The food was good, but, but, uh, yeah, got to see you. That was cool. Yep. Thanks for you and Tammy and the kids drove up and went out to, to dinner. And that was nice. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah, that was like the only time all week I stepped outside. Yeah, it was pretty. Mis- it was pretty miserable. It was bad. We yeah, had it was the snow on the ground, and yeah. it was cold. So, yeah, yeah. But I'm heading to Florida here shortly. So going down to Marathon, Florida, to meet with uh, some business partners, talk business, and uh, in a nice warm climate. Excellent. But that'll make up for it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. So all right. So today we're. We're talking and uh, 
we wanted to get back to the basics on a few things. I think a lot of times we, when we talk on here, we're talking to our audience who we consider to be you know, weekly listeners, right? Or even clients or people who understand infinite banking to a certain degree. Um, sometimes we need to step back and talk to people as if this is the first time they've, they've heard about this or they're, they've been listening, but they're not, they're not policyholders yet. They're not controlling their own capital yet. Sure. Um, so one thing that's come up lately with conversations we've had is, you know, people might listen to the podcast and hear that, oh, Dave owns uh, 11 policies and Paul owns how many, you know, 10 policies or whatever that number is at this point. They own a lot of policies. And then we get on the phone with prospects who have listened to the podcast and they say, well, should I open, you know, like three or four policies right away? And that's when we realized we need to take a step back here. So we talked about how many policies we own. Paul, why do you own so many policies? Yes. Well, um, so really simple. You know, my journey was I started with four. I opened up one on me, one on Tammy, and then one on each of our children. And why did you decide to start with four instead of just one on you? You know, you know, that's a good question. Um, well, Tammy and I are both breadwinners. So we, you know, basically have the same income, although she got promoted to Colonel today. So, oh, yeah. Congrats, um, Tammy. Yeah. Paul has so called start, you, ma'am. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, now she's done very well. Uh, very proud. But yeah, so, so we both needed our insurance and we both owned Whole Life. We've talked about it on previous episodes. We had Whole Life through, a, you know, another company or a couple other companies, and we've had it in our entire military careers. So we moved the cash value from those policies over and jump started our our two policies and then had some smaller policies opened on the kids because I was like, let's get them started. Let's lock in their insurability, their ability to pay premium at a young age. So God forbid something happens, they've got that they've got that ability to pay premium and they've got a significant amount of death benefit, more than most adults do that are serving in the military right now, actually. So so that's that was my personal story. That's why we started with those four, uh, and we went from we went from ten to four. So we had ten whole life that were just vanilla, no dividends, low premium, yeah. and we changed over to dividend paying. And so yeah, okay. that, that was our our story. There you the go. So you four. stated yeah, you stated a really good reason right there uh, on getting policies for the kids right away to lock in their insurability. To, yeah. to ensure that they have permanent life insurance coverage for the rest of their lives, no matter what happens. Because the, you know, the sad truth is we could become disabled or sick or uninsurable at any given moment, really. Right? Yep. Life is, is unpredictable. The future is unknown. Yep. Um, so that's a great thing. Um, so you could have done, like, let's say you, you know, you, you, take this premium that you wanted to pay and you spread it over four people. You could have done that just over two people like you and Tammy, or you could have done it all on one person, say maybe yep. you or Tammy, one of you, you know, whoever. Correct. but you were both breadwinners. You're both making the same amount of money. It just so happened, which is pretty rare, but you know, you're both, you had the same jobs essentially. Right. Right. So it made sense to get both of you insured at the same time. Um, a big question that that comes our way is somebody says, "Well, yeah, I've got a wife, I've got uh, you know two kids, um, 
how many policies should I start with? Here's the amount of premium I, I think I want to pay. How do we spread that amongst the members of the family or do we just compile it all on me, the breadwinner? Right. Yeah. So, you know, how do you, how do you handle that conversation? So normally if I have a family that's got one breadwinner, let's say, which is often the case, sometimes it's not, but often it's the case, the primary breadwinner, and that's typically the husband, um, needs to have the majority of the available premium dollars paid on his life, assuming he's insurable. Let's just assume he's insurable and everything is going to be hunky-dory. However, he needs to consider that what does his life, what does his home life look like if something were to happen to his non-working, let's say, housewife that takes care of the kids, runs the household, and, and, and whatever else, right? That has tremendous value, as as we all know, right? Mm -hmm. Shuffling the kids around, doing, you know, keeping things in check and the school and all those things has tremendous value. He loses that value, which is ex would, which would be extremely expensive to hire out. Like a nanny's expensive, you know. Around here, yeah. you're talking six to eight grand a month where I live, right? Like yeah, so that's big bucks. Yeah. So what what would be the financial impact? Right. If, yeah, if something exactly. happened to mom um, and that's that's huge and not only the financial impact, but the emotional impact. Oh, sure. So no, are no you going to want to you know, get up and go to work the next Monday after you had a weekend to mourn with your kids? And then Monday, right. I got to pay the bills. Well, we got to keep the lights on. Uh, I need to go to work and leave the kids home with who, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I'm such a huge huge uh, proponent of that telling people hey if you're if you're non bread uh breadwinner spouse uh doesn't have life insurance you need to make that happen yeah and and let's say there's not quite enough premium dollars to go around to where a whole life policy um you know might make sense you could do a what we always talk about you could do a convertible term policy yep to at least cover that gap until there's more premium dollars available because we've gotten a raise or we got a better job or whatever, uh, or maybe she goes back to back to work after the kids are in school, you know, or something, whatever. Once there's more premium dollars, then we can start to kind of convert some of that that uh, convertible term insurance into a whole life policy or series of policies on on her as well. Right. So, and uh, if you want to get policies on the kids, both parents are going to need to have life insurance. So just keep right. that in mind too, and assuming they're both insurable. Uh, if one parent, if, if you're uninsurable, then there's exceptions that can be made. They're not going to deny right. life insurance on your kid because you're not healthy enough for life insurance. Right. But uh, yeah, you need both parents to have insurance before the kids can get insurance. That's right. So keep that in mind. But I think the convertible term, uh, I mean, that's a no brainer. Everybody should have it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm convinced of that. I mean, if if buy term and invest the difference is like a strategy for everybody in America and all over the planet, um, you know, I would one up it and say, yeah, convertible term. Yeah, buy a convertible term. Yeah, and if a couple episodes back, I told that story about an old army buddy that did not have convertible term and then ran into some health issues and now, you know, finds himself in an uninsurable status. So yeah. it does happen. Yeah, it more happens. than more than you know. Everybody can probably name somebody sure. close to them who's come down with cancer 
at at an age well below 80 years old. You know, I think most people die of cancer, but that's when they're already close to mortality anyway. Yeah. Uh, my my best friend from my elementary school years, uh, we were in our early 30s, um, and he was like, man, what what is wrong? Turns out he had leukemia. Yeah. My best friend's mom died of leukemia when we were in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she was probably 33, 34, maybe. Yeah. So it, it happens. I mean, it's unfortunate. I hate talking about that, but yep. you can't avoid it. Um, so, so when we, when people hear, oh, you've got 10 or 11 policies, why in the world would you start another one? You've got like, you got mm-hmm. four policies, you got your banking right. system set up. Um, you're fully funding them. You're taking loans, you're repaying the loans and you're maxing them out every year. Why in the world would you need more policies? Well, maybe you've become more productive and more successful and made more money, right? Let's say you were making a hundred thousand dollars a year and then you opened up some policies of what you could afford. Let's say that was 15, 20 grand a year premium. And then a few years later, you find yourself making 150,000. Yeah. And right. now it's, it seems like you, you know, all things being equal, right. You know, no lifestyle creep or unexpected things, right. You could pay more. You should be endeavoring to pay additional premium. Absolutely. At least some percentage of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you got a policy five years ago and you haven't reevaluated getting another one now, um, either one, you're not making any more money than you were at that point. Uh, or two, you just haven't thought about it because you haven't made this a a foundational part of your your life, right? Like, I think yes, that's exactly right. It's 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 actually just a lack of understanding. Like our mindset is, and people who truly understand the essence of of what we're doing here, we're always you want to pay more premium. Like I wish I could pay seven figures a year of life insurance premium, mm-hmm. and some people do. We know people that do. Um, I'd love to be at that level. Yeah, I hope to someday. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but we're always endeavoring to pay more premium. Um, not making ourselves premium poor. That's not what we're talking about. We've mentioned that right. before in the podcast, but when it makes sense. So if I got a, you know, $100,000, you know, if I change jobs and now I'm making twice what I was making before, you know, and it's five years in, let's say, or 10 years in, okay, I can dedicate some of that pay raise, a significant chunk of it probably to premium. Yeah. And I should. And you should, right? Because there's a reason you did it in the first place. So just continue along that mindset and stay in. A lot of times it's, it's easy to do something and then, okay, I've done that. I'm going to set it aside. Yep. I pay that bill every year or that premium every year. Um, but you don't, you kind of forget why you did that in the first place. And you, you, you forget all the, the possibilities you have. And now you got right. more money coming in and there you go back to saving it in somebody else's bank. It's like you've forgotten what right. you learned earlier. You just it's need to relearn I, it. IBC amnesia. IBC and, amnesia, which we did an episode yep. about not too long ago. We did. You're yeah. never, I don't think you can ever truly outrun your need for finance. You're always going to have a need to finance, to finance something, you know, especially yeah. as we age, you know, especially when you look at what, you know, long-term care facility costs or just, I mean, it's, you know, things are out, things are outrageous or just what are your, what are your plans for retirement income? Yeah. Have you factored in taxes from that traditional 401k or traditional IRA that you set up that everyone told you that was like the greatest thing you should be doing, right? Because it gives you a tax deduction now. It gives you a tax deferral. Deferral. So yeah. uh, I don't know how many people you talk to lately, but I've talked to so many people lately who 
they contact me because they were talking to their parents or their their parent their in-laws who are at retirement age and their 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 financial advisor saying, "Hey, I think you need to delay retirement for another 5 years, maybe more." What an awful what an awful thing to <laughs> to get awful. to that point in life and then just get kicked in the gut and say, "No, head back out there for 5 more years and then think about it." Yeah, I walk right? around the building, you know, and I see people I mean, there's people in their in their seventies in there. There's people in their definitely in their sixties for sure. A bunch, yeah. a ton. And there's and it's not because they don't make good money. Oh it's no, people not come because, here because oh yeah, they're yeah, making they make good money. Yeah, you're yeah. I mean, if you're um, I don't know what a like if you're a GS thirteen or fourteen around in this area, you're probably pulling in between one twenty and one forty, one fifty probably. I think. Right. So, so it's it's not for a lack of making a, a solid income. It's for a lack of controlling your capital. That's yeah, that's right. You know, it, it, yeah. The the banking process is going on all around you. It's your choice whether to be involved or not. That's what it comes down to. And you have you have not spent the time to you know recapture interest you've otherwise lost to the to the third party lender your entire life, your entire adult life, which is you know thirty four and a half cents roughly out of every disposable dollar. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. Show is, um, you know, there's another episode we'll, we'll put in the show notes. Episode 33 discusses when to start another policy. So a lot of, lot of opportunities on when you can start another policy. So we didn't start our, uh, our banking system with 10 policies right away, right? Mine started with three, Paul started with four, and then I just added one every couple of years is really As how it, it made happened. sense. As Natural it made sense expansion. financially. A natural That's expansion. Right. I didn't force it, didn't overextend myself, but I didn't underdo it either. I think I did a comfortable, the right amount. And, uh, you know, and if, if things go as they sh- should, you should be making more money this year than you did two or three years ago. Right now, the last few years have been kind of weird. So it's understandable people taking a hit. But, right. Yeah. The value of the dollar might be not as good, but. You should have more of them coming in. You should have more they're just of them. Worth, they're just worth less. So, yeah. Sorry. Not, did you say worthless <laughs> or worthless? <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, so hopefully that that helps. Um, and again, episode thirty-three. Go check that, that one out. <clears throat> um, but we're also before we started hitting, we hit record here. We were talking about what type of policy? Cause there's some confusion mm-hmm. too. And I like these kind of questions when people are confused about what Nelson said in the book, because that means they read the book and they put yes. some thought into it. Right. Right. So, you know, we came uh, upon what page 38 in becoming your own banker, where it talks about, you know, what's the right type of policy for the purposes of infinite banking. And there's some confusion there. So I'll, I'll let you expand on that. Yeah. So I think, and we've had probably hundreds of discussions with people over the years now about things that are said in the book that are taken as as gospel and they should be taken up. Hey, that was just Nelson showing you that particular example or showing you a way that you could take the dividend in cash or you but he says in the addendum that you would use loan, he would use loans, right? So there's a lot of things that people just 
they see it and they don't read on maybe and they just or they forget what he says or something happens or they they why, highlight it and then you know you yeah you you don't see what what's following that when nelson so, starts talking. that's right C- so on page yeah. on page 38 there's that like line a chart, I guess, on the left side of the charts, the single premium policy, which would be a mech, and then he's got like a little, a vertical bar that shows the kind of the mech line, and then a twenty pay life paid up at sixty five, ordinary life, which would be let's say paid at one hundred or paid at one twenty one or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you have on the far right term insurance, which has no cash value, right? Um, no future value technically, um, unless you die on time. Unless you die on time. Right. Yeah. Which would have to be uh, early. I, so I've got some underlines here, and I can't tell you when I don't date when I underline this, but I have um, on the left side in the second paragraph, I have the shorter the payment period, the better suited it is for the purposes of the infinite banking concept. Now, there's this whole group of people out there, and, you know, not bad people, but that doesn't mean that I should have. Like one of the illustrations in the book, I think, shows a guy paying premium for four to maybe four years and then nothing. And then the dividends paying for everything and he's doing all this stuff and or there's a 20 pay in there. Those are just those specific examples. The examples. They were not Nelson telling you what to do. He's saying this is what what you can do. What you could do. The banker can do do whatever whatever he he wants. wants, Right. Right. So I'm 44. You're 44. What works for us right now may not work for somebody who's discovering IBC and they're 65 years old or 62 years old or 58 years old or someone who's 25, right? There's going to be different considerations. And we were talking, I think you put this perfectly, Dave, is the best policy for you is the best policy that will accept the amount of premium that you would like to pay for as long as possible. Exactly. Did I say that clearly? I, I hope I did. Yeah, the best policy is the one that allows you to pay, pay premium for as long as possible. Um, right. You know, so what is that? Typically, ninety five, age 95, age 100. I mean, that's how we design the policies for our, our clients is you have the contractual right to pay that premium for right. as long as possible. Now, be, just because you have the right to do it, does that mean you have to do it? You don't have the obligation. Right. But I want... I want the ability to pay that premium as long as possible. And I'm going to pay the premium. And I tell all my clients this till I graduate, right? Um, but again, especially as the policy gets older and older and older, very few things get better with age, right? There's some alcoholic beverages that do, and but very few things get better with age, right? Yeah. These do. So later in life, you're going to have the ability to make informed choices of how that premium gets delivered to the company. I had a bad year. I I thought I was going to, you know, I thought my 401k was going to pay me this much. I could only take out this much because the market downturn. So I've got to use part of the dividend to pay some of the premium, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have those options if you've properly capitalized the policy. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that are just, in my opinion, they're just not doing it the right way. And that and that's fine. They're doing it the way they want to do it. Fine. Um, it's not the way I'm doing it. It's not the way you're doing it. But Right. 
And, you know, there's more on that. A big question is, well, how do I fund this in retirement? Well, check out episode 32. How can I continue funding my premiums when I retire? You have so many different options, but the greatest option that you, you maintain is the ability to pay a premium. Because guess what happens when you've owned that policy for, for 20, 30 years, and you're paying a premium at age, say 65, that random arbitrary age. Uh, and you've had that policy since you were 40. Uh, well, guess what? That is that premium. You, you, every dollar you pay in premium, you're probably going to get somewhere around four or $5 in cash value for it. So Paul, if you could give me $1 and I give you back five, when are you going to want to stop giving me $1? I would never stop doing that. And that's exactly how it works. The older you get, the more efficient the policy gets. And it's the absolute first place you want to put any of your retirement income before you spend it because you're, you're creating a multiple, a multiplying effect. That's right. It's that, a multiplying effect. That's right. On that money. Like, that's right. That'd be, how amazing would that be to have that opportunity to amplify and multiply your retirement income because you've had this thing that you've built all these years and you've been using it all these years as well. But now it's at the point where, man, that that $100,000 a year I take in income from my 401k, I run that through my policy, assuming you had 100 grand in premium you could pay. You probably don't, but maybe you man, got- Man, if you could, Maybe you got 20 grand. Yeah, maybe you t- got 20 grand. So the first 20 grand you get that year, oh, you're paying your premium and all of a sudden, bam, that's, that's now 100 grand of cash that you just- right added to your cash value. So that's right. Could that's be. an example. Every every case is different, obviously. Right. But that's a pretty solid example that I've seen time and time and time again. Yep. And it's, you know, we not we might not be getting better with age. I mean some of us are, but but your policy will. And that's I'm still in my prime. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you look it. <laughs> See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look it. <laughs> <laughs> But touche. But how nice is that? You know, there's enough crap to worry about in life that you're going to have this this reliable this reliable asset that is really just uber efficient. Where every dollar and later in the in the policy's life, which is also later in your life, is producing three, four, five dollars of premium depending on when you started the policy. So our children's policies, I mean, just incredibly efficient by the time oh, they're yeah. going to be our age and beyond. I mean, just, just amazing. Um, and reliable. And yeah. that's, that's nice. Well, and for all my clients listening right now, I keep notes on, on all of you and I keep notes on how much we applied for, uh, as far as the premium goes. And so when you email me or you call me or you, I, I don't know what kind of communication abilities we'll have 20, 30 years from now, but 30 years from now, when you get a hold of me and say, why didn't you make me pay more premium? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna send you a copy of the notes and say, I did, I tried to. But yeah, you, know, you, you, you didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and we've we've had the discussion about about my first four policies. I wish yeah. I had made those first the first two probably not on the kids. I don't want to max out their human life value at such a young age. But on on Tammy and, and me, I wish I had made those premiums. You know, made twice or three times as large if I if I could have. Sure. Um, and I and I could have made them bigger. But 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 those are efficient, right? I'm going to make the sixth premium on those this year. So this spring, 
Nice. Uh, the sixth premium will be paid into those. And, um, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just say it, right? One of the policies is like 15000 bucks, And I think the cash value is expected to go up by about nineteen. Nice. Or Already in year six. That's in awesome. year six. Yeah. And uh, so very happy. Um, yeah. Very, 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 very happy. Yeah. Good. So if you can sacrifice in the first few years and have that long-term mindset, you think long-term. Right. Yeah. That's, that's all it takes. And, and time goes pretty darn fast. Yeah. I, I gotta say though, I don't think I sacrificed anything. Really? Yeah. No, I haven't sacrificed anything because doing, doing that and putting that money where I could get at it is enabling to do things that people I know aren't able to do, even though I've been barking at them for a couple of years now, like, Hey, yeah. this is what we're doing. Here's why I'm doing it. It's not as bad as these yahoos on YouTube or whatever say. In fact, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, read this book, and you know, hey, yeah, yeah. Thanks for correcting me. You're you're right. I mean, it's it's not a sacrifice because you're not going without. You know, no. usually a sacrifice you have to go without. You're not right. really going without. You're going without a hundred percent liquidity for a few years, right? Right. Well, but if you can do that. I mean, so, you're you're guaranteed to win. Yeah. So in my case, I took money. Well, after the fact, about a year into it, I took. I stopped the TSP. Right. I, t I stopped contributing to the TSP. I haven't contributed since 2020. So that was money I'm locking up anyway. So I've gained liquidity by redirecting money I otherwise was putting in prison till I was 59 and a half, which I'm now yeah. hurting now for. Right. And there's a yeah. ton in there. But I've, re, you know, I redirected those funds to where I could get it. And that really helped see other opportunities, build the house of our dreams, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I, I just got to say, what, the TSP is such a joke. Like, what I would the, say as 401ks go, it's very good. Well, but you don't get a match, right? There's no match. Not There's for, no match. For the civilian employees, there is, but not for us. But not for military. So you get no match. But we match. get a 50% retirement at 20 years. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> but you get no match. You get a, right. You get the tax deduction, right? You, Yes. I mean, you're the, in the traditional. Tax but yeah. the fact is, you don't pay much taxes when you're in the military anyway. That's Why right, are you, you trying know. to go get a, a measly tax deduction on that right. amount? Like, what's... there's? Uh, it just blows my mind. Like, yep. there's no point. You're already getting a tax deduction because your housing allowance is not taxed. Right. You'll hardly pay anything in taxes as a Which military. around here is like almost a third of my income. Right. Yeah. So, so. or it, no, actually it is. It's more than a third. Yeah. So, so. put your money where you can access I can't. it. Because guess what? Everybody's going to get out of the military at some point. You're going to retire at yep. some point. Having access to capital without penalty would be pretty nice to have. Yeah. It's... uh. Yeah, I wish yeah. I had double that. I, you know what I have right now. Um, in a few years, I will. But gosh, I need it. I need it right now. So timing, timing is everything. And just learn from my lesson, folks. It's yeah. It's um, you're you're gonna you're gonna more doors will open because you put your money where you can get at it. Yeah. Then, and uh, it's as, it's as simple as that. It's true. You just, need, you just need a little discipline not to spend it like uh like it's a piggy bank. Right. That's it. Right. That's right. So, well, cool. And I think we covered some good stuff. So check out episodes 32 
and 33 that we referenced here uh, for more info on this kind of stuff. But uh, yep. And reread yeah. page 38 and, and reread it. Yeah. Eyes open, read the whole page. Don't just glean the one thing. We just gleezed over it, but he's, there's some very important things that he says there. And yeah. he qualifies what he says. He doesn't say get a 10 pay. He doesn't say pay premium for seven years and then do RPU. He doesn't say any of that. No, he never says that. He never talks it, about the internal rate of return of the policy. As far as I know, either. No, if you, if you ever have just five minutes free and you pick up the book, just read pages three and four, just read the introduction. Yeah. Yep. You know, read that over and over. You'll be, you'll be far ahead. Yep. Um, all right. Well, good episode. Um, have a good week, everybody. And we'll see you back here next week. Until then, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.